Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast, where we dive into the latest rumors and news surrounding Texas Rangers baseball. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today, we're diving into the latest headlines from around Globe Life Field. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Game Time. If you're looking for the best place to get Tickets to the Texas Rangers, or the Dallas Cowboys, or to any major sporting event, check out Game Time today. We'll have a link in the description that you can use and help support the channel. And now to our first topic. Three prospects that the Texas Rangers should aim for as trade targets. The Texas Rangers are on the precipice of one of the most important trade deadlines in recent years. Texas has already signaled for their exit of a rebuild and entrance into competitive status through their recent signings and success of prospects. Following a 102 loss season that was the summation of the worst stretch in franchise history, the Rangers are eager to improve. They'll be looking at controllable high-end players to round out the team. The complication comes from their showing to maximize value in trade, which reduces the likelihood of a star prospect that would cost them a haul. So, in the following Rangers game plan, you'll want to look for former top prospects who are currently blocked or had their value diminished in recent days, such as a Spencer Howard. So starting off at number one, we have Alec Burleson from St. Louis. The Cardinals' number nine prospect should be near the top of the list of targets for the Rangers. The 2020 second round selection out of East Carolina had immediate success in a plus in AA before struggling in his promotion to AAA. He since quieted any concerns in 2022 by slashing 333, 378, and 566. 
with 16 home runs in 67 games. He was a multi-position player in college and plays an adequate right field with a strong arm from his relief pitching experience. He's already 23 and shown he's nearly ready for the major leagues, but is currently blocked by Harrison Bader, Daniel Carlson, and Tyler O'Neill. The Cardinals could opt to trade from one of the current fielders, but they're too... But they too are looking to compete now and are unlikely to dispose of any major league proven bat instead of Burleson's potential. The Cardinals could look to upgrade their shortstop and starting pitcher, which fits the Rangers' overflow of prospects. Adding Burleson to a lineup consists consisting of Smith, uh, Seeger, Simeon, Garcia, and Jung would create a potent batting order and give the Rangers very much needed power. Burleson may currently be the ninth-ranked prospect, but will quickly be in the top five when updated rankings come out. Martin Perez wouldn't be enough to land him, as Perez is only a one-year deal, so the trade will most likely be centered around Ezekiel Duran. So our plan for a trade would be um, St. Louis would be getting Ezekiel Duran and Martin Perez, and the Rangers would be getting Alec Burleson and right-hander pitcher Ryan Helsey. So at number two, we have Kyle Muller from the Braves. Muller is currently the top-ranked pitching prospect for the Braves, but like Burleson, is blocked from cracking their major league rotation. Embattled by injury, Muller fits the Spencer Howard mold of high-potential, high-risk prospect. Over the course of last season, he, uh, <clears throat> he carries a 319 ERA in AAA through 161 combined innings. His brief 2022 Major League stint didn't go quite as planned as he was hammered by Texas for seven runs in two innings. That saw him walk six back batters and was immediately optioned back to AAA. Since being optioned, he has fixed issues that plagued him, posting a 187 ERA with only six walks to 43 strikeouts in 33 innings. Muller would be difficult to pry from Atlanta, but the defending world champs are without a doubt looking to repeat that success and return to the Winter Classic this year. While in a division with the New York Mets, it won't be easy, so they'll have to be aggressive this time around to turn the tide. They've shown a pattern of avoiding the high financial cost trade candidates at the deadline, and as any playoff contender will look to upgrade their frontline pitching and bullpen. Now to make things trickier, John Daniels has recently stated they are looking to get away from the habit of trading away their veteran players, but would be... It would be near malpractice not to entertain an offer for players on one-year deals. Mark Perez would give the Braves another proven veteran pitcher to front-load a playoff rotation. Matt Moore has left every bit as one of the best available bullpen arms capable of pitching multiple innings. And Charlie Culberson would bring home a fan-favorite player to add infield depth and pinch run in tight situations. So in this um, hypothetical deal, we would... Ship off Martin Perez, Matt Moore, and Charlie Culberson, and receive Kyle Muller. So at number three, we have Jaron Duran from the Red Sox. Former top 25 prospects may or may not be on the move this summer, but with the competitive Red Sox being forced to compete in one of the toughest divisions in baseball, you'd expect them to be aggressive in their pursuit for improvement. The speedy outfielder Duran was a former 7th round draft pick whose stock has risen with his play. A consistent bat first guy, he has a career slash line of 307, 373, and 473 with 117 extra base hits, 
through 300 games played. He has made the most of his second major league stint while filling in for Kiki Hernandez. Currently going 19 for 57 with one home run, the Red Sox may stay pat with Duran as a fourth outfielder, but are likely to look into using his success as leverage to improve their bullpen. Another reason to move Duran is his move to the outfield is relatively recent, leading to subpar defensive play, which can become a liability. The Texas Rangers, on the other hand, have the time necessary to allow his adjustment to the new position. Even though Duran was a top 25 overall prospect who had success, his trade would come at the cheapest of the three for the Rangers. As, pro- as previously mentioned, Boston will look to bolster their bullpen as their main need. Just like the deal with Atlanta, Matt Moore is the obvious trade candidate. As his 702 ERA in 35 innings has proven he's one of the better relievers available. Adding Cole Calhoun provides them with a great defender with power and leadership capabilities. Rounding out the trade would be middle-tier prospects such as Trevor Halver or Cody Bradford. So we the trade would be Matt Moore, Cole Calhoun, and Trevor Halver. Forward Jaron Duran from the Reds. The Rangers will definitely look to be buyers this trade deadline with their eyes set towards controllable frontline starter and outfielder help but that doesn't necessarily mean they will be solely focused on proven major leaguers. Sometimes the best uh, the best help can come from unlikely players, and these are a few of the prospects that Texas Rangers should consider to continue their plan for a long-term competitive team. Let us know in the comments section below, is there anybody that you think the Rangers should pick up that are still prospects, and from whom? And of course, before we move on, please hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel and now on to our next topic our weekly report who's hot and who's not the texas rangers had a new series against the washington nationals this past week you would think that they had the talent to sweep that series in three games unfortunately the rangers lose that last home series two games to one before hitting the road before the all-star break the Rangers would kick off their road trip, taking the series easily against the Kansas City Royals. I felt like the offense was clicking for them for the first two games. Then on Wednesday, we got a pitcher duel between Zach Greinke and Dave Dunning. The Rangers just couldn't get the offense going during that game as Leody Tavares had the only home run of the game and would lose 2-1. to one. So let's talk about who made the list this week in our weekly report. So starting off with who's hot? Well, the Round Rock Express. The Round Rock Express decided to show how lethal their batting is on Wednesday night against the Las Vegas Aviators. Nick Solak, Andy Ibanez, Sam Huff, Josh Ale, and Steele Walker all hit home runs in a 10-1 victory. Colwyn had a good night of pitching for the Express, as well as striking out eight batters in six innings. This is probably the best all-around game the Express have had all season. Next up, Adolis Garcia. Let's not forget the GOAT that made the stadium go crazy last Saturday. Adolis Garcia hammered a ball deep to win the game against the Nationals. The cherry on top was him doing the Call of Duty chest plate celebration. And let's also not forget the amazing man has. He got former Texas Ranger Nelson Cruz out by a mile in home plate. And then we got John Gray. Like I said last week, sometimes it takes a pitcher a month to get warmed up for a season. 
John Gray dominated the strike zone once again this week, striking out eight and only allowing a run in seven innings. This is the John Gray that John Daniels and Chris Young imagined when they gave him that expensive deal during the offseason. And then, Leody Tavares. Tavares had himself a game against the Royals on Wednesday, as he channeled his inner Adolis Garcia to get a runner out at home. He also tied the game up at one with a solo home run that he crashed. But then we also have to address who's not hot. In starting off with Josh Smith. Josh might be having his first ever hitting slump as a major league player right now. In the past week, he has recorded only three hits in 19 at-bats. I think pitchers are starting to learn how to pitch against him and get him out. He's still worth putting in the lineup to gain experience at the major league level. Then we got Jack Leiter. Jack is having one bad start to his career with the Rangers. It was announced on Wednesday that the Rough Riders moved him to the development list due to an injury. It's not a super serious one as he will only miss his next start against Corpus Christi on Thursday night. I don't think you imagine having a start with a Rangers organization like this. So I want to ask you, is there anybody that should have been on the who's not hot list or the who's hot list? Let us know in the comments section below. And on to our next topic. MLB analyst has given a bold July prediction to fans. Do you believe in miracles? If you do and you're a Texas Rangers fan, you might be in luck if you read the latest bold predictions from MLB.com writer Anthony... I uh, forgot how to say his last name, so we'll just call it Anthony C. He gave 10 bold predictions for the month of July in baseball, and there's one in particular that should get Rangers fans giddy about what could be on the horizons. Here's exactly what he said. The Rangers will be in a playoff spot at once end. So what? Could Texas actually find themselves in the thick of the playoff race heading into the all-important month of August? If you believe the pundit, perhaps they could be. Here's some of the reason behind his um, reasoning. The Rangers, though, are respectable 29-26 since the start of May. And had they just fared better in one-run games, they are 4-15 their season would take on an entirely different tone. And that can happen this month, if only because a schedule featuring 21 games against other sub-500 squads affords the opportunity to hang around the AL playoff race. That 4-15 record in one game speaks volumes, because the Rangers currently sit at 36-39 as of this episode. Had they been even 9-10 or 10-9 in those same circumstances, we're talking about a team well over 500, and one that would likely already be occupying a playoff spot. The 29-26 is indeed a respectable stretch and a sign of a team playing greatly improved baseball from just a year ago. If we look at the Texas Rangers' upcoming July schedule after they finish with the Mets, they do have a tough series against the Twins at home, but otherwise their docket features matchups against the Orioles, Athletics, Mariners, and Angels, as well as an isolated game in Miami against the Marlins. After the All-Star break, not exactly a murderous row. It's certainly a manageable stretch for the team. So you can perhaps see where he's coming from here. How the Rangers do in July will dictate how they act come trade deadline time on August 2nd. And they'll likely stay in pat, or at a controllable piece or two at best. If you want to see our thoughts on what the Rangers should do at the trade deadline, you can check out the video right up here. 
And now on to our next topic. The best all-star performances in Texas Rangers history. The all-star game has become uh, quite an event for Texas Rangers fans. So we're going to dive into some of the best performances of all time for the Texas Rangers. MLB All-Star Week is a yearly spectacle that displays premier talent that represents both leagues. The American League and the National League in not only a full nine-inning game, but also the Home Run Derby, where players can be seen crushing baseballs further than anyone else in the world. The week brings magical moments that many fans will forever hold dear to their hearts and displays the American pastime is still alive and well. While there are still some decisions to be made on who will represent the AL and the NL in the big game, and the home run derby participants are yet to be announced, the excitement for the Midsummer Classic is growing. Regardless of how fan voting is turning out this year, it will likely lead to your Texas Rangers only having one representative in the game, even though they had three last year, on a team that had less wins at the All-Star break than this year's Rangers do now. We may have to ignore the disrespect and look at past performances and displays of greatness in the yearly contest that shows which leagues has the greatest players. With that being said, this segment, I'm diving into what I consider to be the best performances of All-Star Week in Rangers history. Number five, Hank Blaylock, the 2003 team. In just his second year in the big leagues, Rangers... Third baseman at the time, Blaylock surged through the first half, sporting a slash of 323, 375, and 524 with 17 home runs heading into the 2003 All-Star game. While he didn't end up starting for the AL squad, he certainly made his mark by the end of the game. As the game went on, Blaylock stayed sitting on the bench, waiting his time to make his mark. It wasn't until the eighth inning that AL manager Mike Sosha called on Blaylock to bat for Troy Gloss, who started the game at third base. Stepping up to the plate against Eric Gagne, who was in the midst of a perfect save season, the runner on second, and a squad down 6-5. to five. Blaylock smacked a pitch on a 3-1 count to right center for a home run. The ball traveled 427 feet, and after it landed, the AL had the lead and would hold on to it till the very end of the game. Garrett Anderson may have won the MVP award for the first ever All-Star game that counted towards home field advantage, but it was Blaylock who had the biggest moment. Next up, Yvonne Rodriguez from the 1998 All-Star Game. Pudge entered the 98th Midsummer Classic with an insane 350 batting average and was the starting catcher for the AL squad in what would go on to be the highest scoring All-Star Game in history. Another record set, Pudge would go on to hit three singles and drive in one run as his three hits would go on to be a record for a catcher. Rodriguez's final hit drove in Jim Tomey and extended the lead for the AL, and they never looked back, winning the game 13-8. While not otherworldly, Rodriguez's performance was the epitome of what he was for the Rangers, solid and exactly what his team needed. Next up, in number three, Alfonso Suriano, 2004 All-Star MVP. 
Strolling into the 2004 All-Star Game as a starter was Alfonso Soriano, sporting a 289 average and 17 dingers, as he was enjoying his first season as a Ranger after he was traded to Texas for Alex Rodriguez. Soriano would bat eighth as a high-powered lineup that featured numerous Hall of Famers, but it was Soriano who provided the spark the AL team needed. Propelling the AL to victory, Soriano would go two for three with a home run while driving in three runs. He would later be crowned All-Star Game MVP while AL won the game 9-4. to four. And at number two, <clears throat> Michael Young, 2006 All-Star MVP, 2008 All-Star Game. Might as well call Michael Young Captain Clutch for his performances in two separate All-Star Game appearances. Voted in as a reserve and not a starter in each of the two seasons, Young outperformed expectations, like he always seemed to do throughout his career. First in 2006, Young was awarded MVP honors as he came up to bat in the top of the ninth inning with his team down 2-1 to one, and hit a two-strike triple in driving in two runs, the second of which being the go-ahead run thus winning the game for the American League squad. Then, in 2008, during the last All-Star game to be played at Old Yankee Stadium, it was Young again who played hero in what was the longest game in All-Star history. Young came to the plate in the 15th inning at well past 1 in the morning, hit a walk-off sacrifice fly, giving the win to the American League. And finally, at number 1, Josh Hamilton, the one that... Takes the top ranking for the best performance during the All-Star festivities is clearly Josh Hamilton's magical home run derby performance in 2008. At the time, I wasn't a Rangers fan, but I remember this clear as day. Heading to the derby, Hamilton was hitting 321, but 21 home runs, and was quickly becoming one of the premier players in all of the league. Upon receiving a home run derby invite, Hamilton did not disappoint. Under the bright lights of the house that Ruth built, Hamilton would go on to give the crowd a show of a lifetime. Fans watched Hamilton pelt home run after home run, eventually ending with a record of 28 home runs in the first round. While Hamilton would eventually tire out and lose the home run derby in the final round, it was one of the most memorable performances an athlete has ever had. And he did it under the brightest lights of the sport. Of course, we have to acknowledge these are only some of the phenomenal performances of Rangers All-Stars, and hopefully as the Rangers start competing more here in the future, we can see many more performances like these. And now, our main topic, the state of the 40-man roster at mid-season of 2022. We're taking a look at the state of the Rangers 40-man roster and a decision to be made this coming off-season in that regard. roughly halfway through the season, so it is time for one of our State of the 40-Man Roster segments. As things stand right now, the Rangers have 42 players on the 40-Man Roster. The 40-Man Roster is full. Jonathan Hernandez and Eli White are both on the 60-day IL, although Hernandez should be back in the near future. The Rangers have three players on the 40-Man Roster, if my count is accurate, who are free agents at the end of the season. As Martin Perez... Charlie Culberson, and Matt Moore. Perez could, of course, be signed to an extension at some point this year. And even if he isn't, the Rangers may re-sign him after the season. And even if they don't, they'll need to be at adding a starting pitcher to replace him in the rotation. 
So you can arguably say that you should earmark a 40-man spot for Perez, or his replacement regardless. However, we're not going to do that in this segment. That gets us to 39 players. In addition, the Rangers hold club options on three players. Cole Calhoun, Garrett Richards, and Jose LeClerc. Richards has a $9 million club option for 23, with a $1 million buyout. He was signed to be a multi-inning reliever, and after being used a lot in the first month of the season, he started the season on the IL. First appeared in the game on April 14th, and made seven appearances in the month. Chris Woodward has not used Richards nearly as month of late. Richards has been fine. 329 ERA, 360 FIP, and 27 innings. But he's not been the sort of dominant fireman that would warrant picking up a $9 million option for next year. Calhoun has a $5.5 million club option for 2023 with no buyout. He was signed to provide a veteran presence solidify the outfield, and provide a lefty bat. And he's done that, more or less. He's been fine. I am skeptical, though, that the Rangers pick up his 2023 option unless some other moves are made that ship out some of the other internal corner outfield perform um, options. Or unless Calhoun is much better in the second half, or the Rangers figure they can trade him to a team that will give them something for Calhoun on a one-year, $5 million deal, and thus it's worth exercising the option and then move him. Jose has a $6 million club option for 23 with a $750,000 buyout and a $6 million club option for 24 with another $500,000 buyout. What the Rangers do with him largely depends, I suspect, on how he looks over the final half of the season. He was one of the best relievers in baseball in 2018, had an up and down 2019, where he wasn't nearly as good, but was still fine. He has thrown five major league innings since due to injuries. If you think you'll be getting the 2018 version of LeClerc, exercising the option is a slam dunk. If you think you're getting the 2019 version, it's a closer call. If it is the guy who can't stay healthy, or if you're getting someone who can't throw strikes after Tommy John surgery, the option is going to be declined. That leaves you at either 36 or 37 players on the 40-man roster, depending on what you do with LeClerc. Obviously, all the 36 players who are currently on the roster who we haven't touched on yet won't still be on the 40-man roster at season's end. Someone will be dropped for the return of Jonathan Hernandez, for example. But for now, that's where we are. Let's shift gears for a moment and take a look at players who could be added to the 40-man roster at some point. You're going to start with notable players in the Rangers system who are not on the 40-man roster currently and are eligible to become a minor league free agent at the end of the year if they are not added to the 40-man roster. That includes Kelvin Gonzalez, Ever Bueno, Lucas Jacobson, Fernary Ozuna, and Miguel Paricio. And I apologize for saying these names wrong. Four relievers and an outfielder who finally showed signs of life in 2021, but then got hurt and hasn't been healthy since. These are all guys who I could possibly see added to the 40-man roster so that they don't hit the free agent market. I think the odds are against each of them being added, and there's a good chance none of them are added. But a lot likely depends on what they do over the final three months of the season. 
Lucas would seem out of this group to be the most likely to have his contract purchased before he hit the free agent market. The big lefty, who just turned 27, has been very good out of the bullpen for Frisco this season, allowing opponents a 170-267-302 slash line, striking out 20 of 60 batters faced. He's also on the injured list right now, though I think Texas will move him up to Round Rock if and when he's healthy at some point if they are looking to add it. Kelvin was acquired from the Royals for international slot bonus money in 2018. He was really good for Hickory in 2019, putting up a 199 ERA. And striking out a third of the batters he faced, and then he missed all of 2020 and 21 after Tommy John surgery. He's toiling in the ACL right now, and will probably go to Hickory or Frisco soon. Bueno and Ferdinand are right-handed relievers who throw hard and have control issues. Bueno has struggled in AAA, while Ozuna hasn't moved out of AA despite a 2.25 ERA. Both seem pretty unlikely. Miguel, what a tease. Part of the same J2 class as Leody Tavares, he's a quality defensive center fielder who has some speed and has shown flashes of potential with the bat, but who has never been able to hit over the course of a full season. He got off to a slow start for Hickory in 21, and I'd pretty much written him off. They fire and ended up earning a promotion to Frisco after slashing 274, 367, 567 for high A Hickory. He struggled in 15 games at Frisco, slashing 180, 195, 256, and 41 plate appearances, and then got hurt and hasn't been since, except in ACL since. He'll likely go to Frisco in the near future and will probably play very good defense in center field. Tease with his offensive potential and do just enough to make you think that, well, maybe he's going to have it all click. I doubt he'll be added to the 40-man roster, but if he is, it's likely because the upside is such that the Rangers don't want to see him go elsewhere and finally blossom. Moving on to the players who are Rule 5 eligible this offseason, as of now, there are six players appear to profile as either locks, near locks, to be added as things stand today. That includes Cole Wynn, Owen White, Cole Reagans, Josh Jung, Dustin Harris, and Akuna. I don't think there's anyone in this group who would be controversial. Maybe you could argue that Dustin Harris, who has been good but not great in AA and who is defensively limited, could be exposed. Maybe Akuna, who has not played above A ball, could be exposed, one could argue. But I think all six, as things stand now, will be added. As a side note, I should have listed Cole Riggins in the minor league free agents group since he will be a free agent if he isn't added to the roster by the time the season officially ends. But since he appears as a slam dunk to be added, I'm putting him here. Next are interesting starting pitchers who are probably safe to leave off the 40-man roster. Jake Latz, Mason Englert, Ryan Garcia, Cody Bradford, Zach Kent. All these guys are prospects, except for Kent. All of them also have a history of injury issues. All of them could end up getting protected, particularly if big strides are made in the second half. But at this point, I don't expect any of them will be. Lat's got a start in the majors in 2021 as a COVID replacement guy, but has struggled in AAA in 2021 and 22. Bradford got a well-over slot bonus in the sixth round in 2019 out of Baylor after an arm injury cut his junior year short. He struggled with hitability in AA this year. Kent was terrific in Hickory in 2021, 
had a rough go of it in six starts for Frisco at the end of the year and has had command issues so far this year for Frisco. Engler was a fourth rounder out of Forney in 2018 who missed all of 2019 due to Tommy John surgery and all 2020 due to the recovery from Tommy John surgery and COVID. He had a respectable debut season for Down East in 2021 and is doing fine in Hickory in 2022, but doesn't appear to be in a position to be at risk of being lost in the R5 draft. Garcia was a helium guy in 2019, someone who shot up boards late and was taken in the second round by the Rangers, a small high-spin right-hander. Garcia pitched only five innings in 2019, missed all of 2020 and 2021 due to Tommy John surgery, and then had a that issue and had a delayed start to 2022 due to injury. Garcia has made four very good starts for Down East, but he's a 24-year-old carving up low A-hitters. And with the amount of time he's missed, it's unlikely anyone would want to stash him in their bullpen for a 23 as an R5 guy. Moving on, we get to the interesting relief arms category. Destin Dotson, Daniel Robert, Avery Weems, and Justin Slayton. Four of the five minor league free agents to be to be I identified above previously are also in the interesting relief arms category, which kind of highlights why the Rangers are likely going to err on the side of not protecting guys in this category. Because, well, they have a bunch on their 40-man roster already. They have a bunch of possible candidates in the minors, and there are only so many 40-man roster spots you can devote to interesting relief arms. Daniel Robert would seem to be the one in this group most likely to be added to the 40-man roster this offseason. Drafted in the 21st season round out of Auburn. Drafted in the 21st round out of Auburn as a first baseman, converting to pitching. Texas ended up not signing him due to his needing Tommy John surgery, but signed him the next year as an undrafted free agent. He misses bats, has command issues, and turns 28 in August. He was R5 eligible this past offseason, and apparently there was some concern within the organization that he might be selected. He's had a rough go of it round rock this year, mainly due to control issues. Still, he was getting attention in spring training this year. And while I don't think any of these four get protected, Robert's the one I would say is most likely. Destin Dotson is huge. He's a huge left-hander, listed at 6'7", with 231 pounds, who was a 12th-round prep pick out of Baton Rouge in 2018. The stuff is legit, but so are the command issues. After a short stint in Down East, he was promoted to Hickory where he struck out or walked 43 of the 84 batters he has faced. He would seem to be one of the more likely candidates to get selected, if the Rangers expose him just because he's the type of hitter, or type of pitcher, excuse me, who teams will take a flyer on and take a look at in spring training with the possibility of carrying him as a third lefty in the pen, if his command approves. Williams and Slayton have both been used as starters, but both seem to profile as relievers. Slayton, the Rangers' third-rounder in 2019 under the University of New Mexico, was seen as a likely reliever coming out of the college. The Rangers have used him as a starter until the middle of this year, when they shifted him to a relief role for Frisco. Weems was a $10,000 senior signed by the Chicago White Sox as a six-rounder out of the University of Arizona in 2019. The 25-year-old lefty came over to Texas in the Lance Lynn trade, and for both Hickory last year and Frisco this year, has missed a lot of bats and been rather home-prone. Next up is the infielders drafted in the upper part of the draft. This includes Chris Sice, 
Davis Wenzel and Jonathan Ornelas. You know the Chris Sice story, taking 29th overall in the 2017 draft. Talked about as possibly the best position prospect in the system, but unable to stay on the field. Injuries wiped out all or almost all of 2018, 19, and 2021, and COVID wiped out 2020. He's slashing 259, 317, 400 for Hickory this year, and has primarily been at DH, though he's been playing more shortstop of late. With just 136 minor league games and with his middling offensive performance this year, I wouldn't think he'd be protected, but the Rangers love Sace, and if they think there's a risk of another team snagging him, it's possible. Maybe. I don't think it will happen, but stranger things have happened. Winslow was picked number 37 overall in the 2019 draft by the Rangers with a pick they acquired from the Brewers in the Alex Claudio trade. Seen as a potential Justin Turner type who could play all over the infield while hitting for doubles power, Winslow has struggled to stay healthy as a pro and is slashing just 193, 281, 329 in 2022 for Round Rock. I wouldn't think he'd be protected, but he but he's the type of player who can get picked because of his defensive versatility and the possibility of his bat taking a step forward. He was the Rangers' third-round pick in 2018, a prep shortstop out of Glendale, Arizona. Ornelas had primarily played shortstop in the minors, but has also played second base and third base. The Rangers have given him reps in center field as well. He didn't hit in 2019 or 2021, but has been surprisingly productive for Frisco this year slashing 333, 376, and 458. He doesn't have much power, and he is striking out a lot. The defensive versatility and improved offensive performance this year could result in him being added to the roster or being picked in the Rule 5 draft if he isn't. The miscellaneous category, Blaine Krim, David Garcia, Bubba Thompson. Krim is a 25-year-old who can hit some, but who is a first-base DH. He's currently slashing 266, 332, and 461. It's possible he's protected, but unlikely. Garcia is a weird situation. He's still just 22, he's just 22 and a switch hitting catcher who is considered to be very good defensively, but who has only really hit in one season, 2019 in Spokane. Garcia was added to the 40-man roster after the 2000 season his first year of R5 eligibility, but then was non-tendered this past offseason and re-signed to a minor league deal. He's technically in a position to be a minor league free agent, I believe, if he's not added to the 40-man roster. The Rangers seem to like Garcia, and I think want to keep him in the organization, so it may be a matter of whether they think he can do that without adding him to the 40. Bubba Thompson, he's probably the biggest question mark to me right now in regards to potential 40-man roster additions for the offseason. A former high school quarterback who was the Rangers' first-round pick in 2017 had a miserable 2019 season and then lost 2020 due to COVID. He was a forgotten man coming into 2021, but had a solid 275, 325, 43 slash line for Frisco, along with 25 stolen bases. He was R5 eligible last year, wasn't protected, and then there was no R5 draft, so it didn't matter. This year, Bubba is slashing 305, 350, 470 for Round Rock, 38 for 40 in stolen bases, and is continuing to play terrific defense in center field. He also has 75 Ks against just 15 walks and 286 plate appearances. 
Thompson is just 24, and there is upside there. There is also a very real possibility that the swing and miss issues he has gotten exposed at the major league level, such that he simply won't make enough contact to be a viable major league hitter. A team drafting him in the R5 could look to carry him as a fifth outfielder, a defensive replacement, and pinch runner who gets the occasional start against the lefty. The Rangers are going to have a tough call to make on him this season. So the Rangers' 40-man roster would get down to 36 or 37, depending on what the team does with the Leclerc option. Once the free agents to be are removed, there are at least six players who will likely be added in advance of the R5 draft. And the Rangers probably will want to earmark roughly six spots for offseason additions to the Major League roster, either via trade or free agency. All told, the Rangers will likely need to drop eight to ten players who are currently on the 40-man roster and who are not free agents at season's end, in order to make that work. Of course, as it is, the Rangers are going to have to drop someone for the 40-man roster to make room for Jonathan Hernandez, who should be activated from the 60-day injured list this month. So the pruning won't be waiting waiting until season's end. The most likely casualties? Matt Bush, Andy Ibanez, Nick Solak, Zach Rex, Stephen Dugar, Colby Allard, and Mabris Volunt. Valoria. The Rangers will non-tender Matt Bush this offseason, then sign him to a major league contract. He will come to spring training, impress, earn a spot on the opening day roster, then land on the injured list at some point. This cycle will repeat itself for the next 20 years. Ibanez was signed as a bat first second baseman out of Cuba, but didn't really hit until 2019 when he put up an 871 OPS for Mount Rock. Ibanez spent some time in the majors last year in early May, didn't hit, went to Round Rock, tore it up there, earned a promotion back to Texas in mid-June, after which he was a regular in the lineup. He started the 2022 season as the team's regular third baseman, didn't hit, optioned to Round Rock, and hasn't hit AAA either. Given that Ibanez is 29 years old, he's got limited defensive utility, and has a skill set that overlaps with a number of younger players who have surpassed him. He seems likely to end up on the waiver wire. Nick Solak is also a bat first second baseman. He hasn't hit in the minor or in the majors, excuse me, since 2019. He put up an 867 OPS for Round Rock in 2021 in 22 games. And has a 757 OPS in Round Rock this year since being sent down. My guess is that the Rangers end up moving him for a very fringe prospect or something similar this month. He has options remaining, which provides some flexibility for an acquiring team, and I suspect someone would want to take a shot at fixing him. Rex still being on the 40-man currently is something of an upset. The Rangers acquired him and Billy McKinney, another left-handed hitting outfielder from the Dodgers last November. McKinney was non-tendered a week later. Rex has stuck around and spent much of 2022 shuffling between the majors and the minors. There are only so many fringe lefty corner outfield bats you can carry on the 40-man roster. However, and with Steel Walker now also on the 40-man roster, Rex would seem to be a likely casualty. Of course, I thought he would be off the main roster by opening day 2022. So what do I know? Dugar, we know about because the Rangers just traded for him. He had last year, plays good defense, and has an option remaining, so he could possibly end up sticking around if he hits like he did in 2021. If he doesn't, well, the Rangers have Eli White and Leody Tavares on the 40-man roster currently, 
and Bubba Thompson on the bubble. It's similar to the situation with Rex, there is a limit to how many bench-type guys with the same skill set you want to carry. Colby Allard is a perfectly fine swingman, a guy who can pitch in the rotation at AAA, be shuffled between AAA and the majors when you need a spare arm, sit in the bullpen for two weeks without being used, and then brought into a game to get you 12 outs and a blowout. He doesn't turn 25 until August. Remarkably enough, and he will have an option remaining after this season. Allard offers some valuable some value that can warrant a 40-man roster spot. I just don't know that given the decisions Rangers will have to make, he will warrant a spot on this 40-man roster. Byloria is an interesting case. He's just 25 years old, has an option remaining, and since he was signed as a free agent to a minor league deal, he hasn't used that last option yet this season. The Rangers thought enough of him to bring him up, and have him to be the backup catcher when they decided Sam Huff would be better served playing regularly at AAA. But they don't think enough of him to actually play him much. It wouldn't be shocking if the Rangers held on to Valoria through the offseason. As having a third catcher on the 40-man roster with an option who you can stash at AAA for depth is a nice luxury to have. That said, I don't think the Rangers are in a position to luxuriate in the luxury. That gives us seven on the bubble, bubble players. And if you recall, we said that Rangers will likely need to open up eight to 10 40-man roster spots. So even if everyone on this list is removed, the Rangers will likely still need to make another move or two or more. The most likely place for the Rangers to look to trim players beyond those I've identified is in the bullpen. Josh Spores is out of options after 2022, so the Rangers would seem likely to move on from him rather than carry him on the off chance he makes the team in 23. Though I said the same thing last year about Dennis Santana, AJ Alexi, and Yuri Rodriguez are having underwhelming years for AAA Round Rock and could be candidates to be dealt for a lotto ticket to clear out a roster spot or as an extra piece in a bigger deal like Ronnie Henriquez this past offseason. Taylor Hearn and Brett Martin both are arbitration eligible for a second time this offseason. And the Rangers could feel that the state of their bullpen is such that they are better off moving Hearn or Martin for what they can get for than rather than bring them back around at 23 to try to fit them into the pen. One thing this segment helps illustrate, I think, is why the Rangers are likely to be buyers both this month and this coming offseason. At the same time, the team is trying to pry open its window of contention. It also is in a position where it probably needs to look to be moving players, both because you can't keep all your prospects and having players and have playing time for all of them. And because you have 40-man roster constraints that will limit how many you can protect, which is why. Even if the Rangers aren't necessarily serious contenders when the trade deadline rolls around at the end of the month, I think there's a good chance you can see the Rangers as buyers. Not for an expensive rental, but for someone under team control for a number of years. Think the Cole Hamels trade, not the Cliff Lee trade. You can't keep everyone. And in the case of the Rangers, I think there's a good chance that's going to lead to some significant moves in the coming months. Let us know in the comments section below what do you think about their... 40-man roster during the midseason. Should we include anything? Do you agree or disagree with what we said? And of course, hit that like button, um, subscribe to the channel, and hit the bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ttrangers. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, 
bring in new hosts, be able to pay them to host their shows. And we'd love to live stream from Global Life Field, and your support can help make that happen. And of course, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. Take This has been the Talking Texas Rangers podcast. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered by tweeting us at TalkingTXRangers or liking us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash TalkingTexasRangers. As always, thank you for listening and go Rangers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 